So You Think You Can Manage. We're the So You Think You Can Manage podcast tonight, and I'm joined by Biscuit. We're here to recap the, the latest week of the Philly season and give you a preview for the upcoming week. The current record for the Phillies is 36-39, and 39, five games behind the New York Mets for first in the division and fourth in the division overall behind the Braves and Nationals. This past week, the Phillies dropped their two home games against the Nationals and then split a four-game series with first-place Mets, which, in reality, they could have swept the Mets this past weekend and even made the space even closer, which we will dive into that fully here this afternoon. So the Phillies dropped the first two series against the Nationals, two games against the Nationals, three to two in a pitcher's duel, and then twelve to or thirteen to twelve, excuse me, in one of the most bizarre games, but the most classic Phillies games to lose. And why don't we just start with that? Because this is going to be a major topic today, obviously, with the bullpen issues. And we'll start with that thirteen to twelve game. And Phillies had a five nothing lead. The Angel McCutcheon hits a grand slam. They go up nine and five. Then they blow that, go down 11 to 9. And they storm back to take the lead, 12 to 11, to give you know that Phillies hope. And then Hector Neris comes in and blows a thir- or blows the 12 to 11 lead as the Phillies lose 13 to 12. So let's start with this because that's the major topic. After that, what was that? That was the fifth Hector Neris blown save of the season already. Joe Girardi comes out and says on Friday that there will be a new closer. Let's start with that. Do you agree with a new closer, and do you agree with it being Jose Alvarado? <laughs> Who cares? I, I mean, <laughs> like, w- the Phillies, what works for this team? Nothing that this team remotely ever tries to do. Whenever they try to correct something, it just never it's never fixed. Or when they do correct it, something else falls apart. So, sure, I, I'm, I'm honestly fine without Alvarado. Outside of him literally, you know, botching that throw and Reese missing, you know, the catch, he, he pitched fine in that game against the Mets. But it, it really doesn't matter who you throw out there. Phillies, Phillies shenanery ensues, so something terrible is always going to happen. Um, look, I, I still love Hector. I still have faith in the guy. I think he's just going through a rough patch right now, and he'll figure it out soon. But, um... Boy, it just – it doesn't matter if it's him, if it's Archie, if it's Alvarado. <laughs> they just set you up to, to, to flounder, man. It's it, it just it's just absolutely mind-numbing. Yeah, without question. And to Biscuit's point, we'll run through what happened real quick in the Mets series. Don't break so, my – make it break my heart again. <laughs> well, hey, we got to let the listeners know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, yeah, Joe Girardi names Jose Alvarado the closer. And in game one of the doubleheader against the Mets, the Phillies – uh, let's start with that. Well, before we get into and praise Aaron Noll, but yeah, Phillies go into that ninth inning leading or the seventh inning, excuse me, because of the doubleheader rule, uh, leading one nothing. And Jose has his chance to get his first save with the Phillies in this new closer role. And of course, he blows it in the most Phillies way fashion. Not even bad pitching. He had to create an error, couldn't throw the ball to Hoskins. And later, the Mets come back and win the game. And then in game two, same thing. Phillies had a one nothing lead. But don't forget, Hector Neris isn't a closer. So this time they try Archie Bradley, and Archie Bradley can't close the game. So that's two blown saves in two games there with your new closer. But eventually Hector Neris gets that save. So it's going to be a mess, and we'll see where this team's at. Go ahead. I just have to say, I think it's so comical how Hector Neris literally got demoted. Then he goes on and saves the game. (laughs) 
and then literally a day after he was demoted, saves the game, then goes on to blow another game. It's just... You you can't write a more comedic script with this team. It's absolutely bonkers, man. No, without question. I agree with you 100%. That's the most frustrating part. And and to kind of bring in the Sixers real quick, the most frustrating thing, one of the most frustrating things to me were this Phillies team, who's kind of lost the city, as we all know, in the last 10 years. After that debacle of a Sixers series, they had a really really good chance to win back the, the fan base early on in the summer. And you could have really, like, if, if we would have went out there and won, say, three of those Mets games, you only blow one game. Say you blow one game. You win three of those Mets games and split the National Series, you could have won the fan, fan base back early on in the summer and got some attendance. But instead, like you said, it's just the most comical you have script. A, <laughs> you have a chance to win every single one of these games you played. And you bl- like you blow leads in, I think, what, almost all of them. But for God's sakes, like, the the Nationals game, to, to go back to the National Series, the, the 12-11 Nationals game, I, Joseph Biscuit, sit here to tell you today that that was the most backbreaking loss I think I've ever witnessed. And the moment I've officially, like, I, I'm... Obviously, like, I love the Phillies. Like, I always watch every game. But I'm truly, like, an emotional step backwards with this team now. Like, I'm just not going to give myself that mental energy to get excited and to um, really get that invested with this team right now because that's just pathetic. Three blown saves in one game. You win a, you, you lead a ball game by 5 nothing. Mediocre teams win that game. You're up by 4 nothing. Most teams win that game. It's just... I've never seen something so pitiful than what the Phillies have produced, than what they've given us the last couple of days. And um, Phillies fans should be very upset, and I know most are, but um, it might sound selfish, but we deserve better. This is just pathetic. You're absolutely right. And a city who lives off these sports teams, I mean, for a team like the Phillies and how big baseball is, especially in this city and how it's been, and you gave us those great years, yeah, obviously, in 07 to 11, but this team hasn't even, I mean, I guess we went 81 and 81. I mean, this team hasn't really come close in the last 10 years to making the playoffs outside of two seasons. So to your point, yeah, we do deserve better. And the fact, and every one thing, you know, if you're losing games, but like the way they're losing, the fundamentals of baseball is the way they're losing. It's not like you're just getting out pitched or something like that. No, you're losing games because you can't do something that high schoolers do, go out there and field baseballs and go out there and run the bases the correct way. I mean, again, you see Herrera in this evening in a current 2-2 game against the Reds. Herrera gets thrown out on the plate in the first inning. It's first and third, nobody out. You don't, you don't, you're not going home on that on a slow roller right to the first baseman. And he can't even – he hesitated and then goes home. That's the most frustrating. So it clearly wasn't run on contact. And well, the, the fundamentals are just so screwed with this team. It just seems like w- when they're fielding, no one really knows how to play their position outside of, like, I guess, Bryce and JT. No one really knows really how to aggressively ta- – like, you know, like field a ball, I guess – they don't know how they don't have that edge. None of them do. And the the fact that we just routinely see this team let balls drop in between them or routine balls that most, as you said, little leaguers make when a ball's hit right to the first baseman. Odds are they catch it. Not Reese Hoskins, not Reese Hoskins. Um, well, no, so, the funny part about that one, the Hoskins miss. He, he, he loses the ball in the sun. You know where his sunglasses are? Oh, They're sitting on top <laughs> of his cap. <laughs> 
And you know what? You know what? You know what's funny? You know what's funny, Andrew? You're gonna get a kick out of this one. They're so bad. Reese is so bad at shielding. That's not even the bad play I was talking about. I was talking about the <laughs> one where he where he botched the game. I think against um I and the start against the Grom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, gosh. both those plays happened in the Mets series. For for those listening, you missed the series. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad the weekend was. <laughs> oh gosh. But at least we, but, you know what? At least we have these laughs, you know. At least we have these laughs. Yeah. I mean, and I think at this point you have to kind of laugh about it. You can't. And don't get me wrong. In the moment, yeah, it's frustrating and everything. But now you, you kind of have to laugh about it. It's it's gotten to that point where it's just so bad. And, and that's why I think. I mean, we're, we'll see where this team stands, but I mean, this is another. I mean, you go two and four in a six-game week last week, and an extremely important uh, week that was. And then you go in again in this this weekend as well. It's another important week against division opponents, and we'll see what they do uh, in this in this upcoming series, which we'll get into later in the podcast. But on top of that, you you see other changes as well. On top of the closer role, we saw. Uh, I think uh, maybe everybody's least favorite player in David Hale. Um, uh, designated for assignment, which I think you've been calling since uh, April 1st, I think. <laughs> but uh, it took them three months to realize that. And that's that's a knock on all three of you guys, I think, in, in my opinion. And Dombrowski, Sam Fold, and Joe Girardi. I think, uh, I mean, I don't know how you don't realize that, uh, who this guy was. But... Well, we'll see what happens there, but those three or David Hill got demoted, or more than demoted, he got cut, and then you bring up, uh, they brought up, they brought up, um, I'm blanking on his first name, De Los Santos, though, uh, mm-hmm. to cover his spot, and then they also brought up Nick Maton once again, as uh, Sam Coonrod falls in the IL, so that's the other thing with this team, is you get guys back from injuries, and then you lose guys, they just never can stay healthy, and Harper's back in the lineup tonight, but he misses two games in the Mets series. It's just it's unbelievable the luck that this team gets, too. We I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, we already talked about all the bad plays, too. But this team also gets no luck in terms of injuries. And we've already gone in full depth about that and what we thought, whether that was COVID-related or not. But, I mean, obviously, I think you'd agree with David Hale. But what about, in general, like, who would, who else would you call up in the minors? Is there anyone else you can even call up? Or are you trying to trade at this point? Or are you just trying to roll with what you got? You, you said it, who? What's left? You know what I mean? I feel like they're already scraping names that, if you go back to March, April, names that you're not really talking about because when you're looking at a roster, you're not considering that they're going to be so knee-deep in guys that they need to pull up because there have been so many injuries. Um, and, and, you know, with that being said, for the most part, a lot of people that they pulled up on the fly, like Nick Maton, Luke Williams, um, Bailey Falter, who's pitching right now, they have produced to some capacity. It hasn't been all doom and gloom, which is a good thing to see. Um, but but you're right. This team, it's just another thing. Can't stay healthy. Can't stay consistent. Um, you know, you saw towards the end of last year, you saw towards the end of 2019, too, when guys weren't, you know, really that healthy. Last year, a few guys kind of fell off at the end. Um, and, and right now you're seeing it. Obviously, the team doesn't have DD. They don't have Gene right now. You said uh, you brought up Bryce. So um, it's just it's just another thing that's kind of nagged this team in one of this team's Achilles heel. And uh, it's one of the reasons where we're at, where we're currently at with this team. 
Yeah, no, without question. And hopefully, uh, and I read Segura is supposed to come back off the IL tomorrow. We'll see if he's able to actually stick with it. I mean, last time he came off it, he was right back on it in a few days. So we'll see if he's actually fully healthy this time. Gregorius kind of, we don't know when you're going to get him back. He's trying to rehab, but every, I've seen a setback for him twice already. And then he's going back to AAA, I think, uh, later in this week. So we'll see if he's ever able to actually get back on the field, especially before the All-Star break, which we'll get into later, because I think that's, the may, that's gonna be the that's where I'll stand on this team for the full on season is where they'll stand at the All Star break, uh, in my opinion. So and let's get into this real quick. I don't know how you already don't have a stance on this team, Andrew. You're a very faithful man. You're a very faithful man. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Obviously, this past week well, definitely took a took a big shot to that, and it definitely made me a lot less faithful than where it was. Three three blown it, saves in a game or two, that to you, my friend. No, without question. But part of me also is like, man, I can't give up baseball well, well, that's, you want him, that's the crappy <laughs> thing. You, you want them to turn around. And and the the craziest thing, and, and it's so frustrating to say, and people might laugh when, when they hear me say this, the craziest thing is that it isn't. it, it wouldn't be the most unfathomable thing in the world if they turned it around. There is a lot of talented players. They have a high payroll. There's a lot of, you know, big names in that clubhouse. And, and, and I do believe in a perfect world, there's enough talent there to get it done. I, I do believe that notion. But you watch this team right out and you, you, you see all the stuff we talked about, you know, botched balls, you know, hor- horrific base running, um, letting balls drop between people, questionable managing, um, night in and night out, something is always just so god darn wrong with this team, and um, it's just not there. It, it's it's not there. And that's my thing is how close they can be. Like, right. And you, you talk about how much talent there is, and that's why I think. I mean, the entire city has been saying this for the last three years. You, the main thing you need right now is a closer. We've all said Hector Neris is best spot to set him in. Let's take that for an example. He's already blown six saves this season. I think he's one and five now in the year. So that's five games, if not six, if they ended up losing that game too. That's five games. Let's say you just win three of those. You're two out of the division. Like that's how that's how that's how yeah, crazy it is. And then it, it, it's one it's one way to look at it, Andrew. Or, yeah, it, it's one way to look at it. But at the end of the day, it's just. You could correct that problem. You could go in and get yourself an elite closer. Something else will just go wrong. Anytime you really try to correct an issue with this team, it, it just it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Uh, so I don't, you know, Hector. Look, look at like you know, look at Nick Pavetta. And uh, well, I know we'll get to him in a little bit, but having success on the Red Sox, Hector Neris leaves this team. He probably is elite somewhere else because he has the talent to do so. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it matters who they bring in. I just don't think it's like the, I hate to say the Philly curse, but hey, the, the Philly curse is a real thing. Like that's, that's not it's not for ourselves. That is that is apparently a real thing, and what for whatever we did, it, we are still uh, still feeling those effects. But no, and that's the crazy part is is it seems like everything they do try just goes wrong. Like. I mean, you look at a double rare. You move him to the leadoff spot. It works for what four games. He started to playing phenomenal, and then before he got a hit tonight, I think he was over for his last twenty-five. It's just nothing can last with this team, and that's the sad part. And I think that's where, and we're gonna get into this. And let's just jump into it now because we kind of 
uh, foreshadowed it a couple times. Now, we'll start with the Nick Pavetta comments, but there's three key comments that I wanted to touch on uh, in this past week. And the first one is, is the one you sent me today. We'll, we'll start with uh, Nick Pavetta. He gets interviewed by the uh, Red Sox. They're on their start, and it was on their, their broadcast. And he comes out and basically says, I mean, I won't go through the whole quote. I'll just do what's brief. The, the most eye-popping eye thing I, I heard from it was basically the, the culture of the team. I, I mean, he mentions the winning co- culture. These guys have been there from the 2018 World Series, and, and that's the biggest thing. So what, what's your take on those comments? just another just another like well that that's the Phillies thing for you but no I I think it's what a lot of people have been saying now that at the end of the day it doesn't matter who you bring in if it doesn't feel like a group of winners it's not going to work and I think that's ultimately why we're going to come to a situation where the Phillies are going to probably need to tear it down to get what they really want to be you know a successful organization that churns out a lot of winning seasons for a prolonged period of time um but they don't they don't play for each other i i feel like this team just plays for themselves like no one goes up there to get the game winning kit to win as a unit it's always just kind of like i i hate to say selfish but uh, that's almost what i am getting at here no one you know knows how to focus as a team the fundamentals are just so glaring which i do think is a you know is a is a catalyst of the team not having good chemistry and not being able to work together um so it's upsetting it's upsetting to see it's frustrating it's just another reason why um you know things just don't work in philadelphia the way they should yeah so let's still the culture thing real quick and you can pinpoint this in honestly 100 different directions so i'm interested where you fall on it because I mean, you. I know we all know your thoughts on Joe Girardi. We all know mine. So let's take it kind of farther than that, mm-hmm. um, and let's go with. I mean, like I said before earlier on this podcast, the Phillies haven't been in the playoffs since 2011. We've ran through. It's now been five managers in eight seasons. So this is where I think, no matter what your thoughts on Girardi, but where does we, where do we put the blame on? Let's say higher up and more of the front office, because like you go through five managers, it can't just be the manager, and it just can't be the player. Like, where do you fall? The biggest thing with the culture, like with what Nick Pavetta um, said, do do you put that towards the front office or majority? Oh, you know, it, it's short answer. It's an it's an indictment on everyone. It's you know going back to it goes all the way to the top to John Middleton, starting at the top with Middleton, but then you you know you bring in um you bring in Andy McFailure and McClintock. And then, you know, within five years, you're completely stripping down, trying to build a new regime with the team that they essentially constructed. Um, You know, you have one manager that you're bringing to try to, you know, lead this team into a new era, usher in the new wave of Phillies baseball. And then you fire him in two seasons. You bring in a guy who is a little bit more, I think, old school, but definitely has a bit more of a reputation since he's been in the game for so long in Girardi. But that hasn't really worked. So this team's just kind of a mess. It's all over the place. It doesn't know what it wants. It doesn't feel like they're unified. It feels like everything they do, there's always some type of a discrepancy or disagreement. It's just so frustrating. It feels like they just never have a solid plan with anything that they do. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that's a really good point. And then this 
let's go on to because I think this all ties together. Let's go into the asking comments, and this is where I kind of want to dive into a couple different things. This goes with culture. This goes with some other things. He basically said when he was getting asked about the, the defensive miscues, he gets asked about all that stuff, and he kind of finishes with taking it a shade. I I, I love Hoskins. Everyone knows that. But I think this was kind of a shot at the Philly media, the Philly fan base a little bit. He's, and he kind of wraps up his press comments, and he says, make sure you guys talk about the good things and throw that in there too. So I think that kind of all plays into the culture here. And I think that's kind of a message with the front office, with the coaching, with, um, with everyone. I think this is kind of all eye-popping things because you see what Pavetta says, and then now you see this Hoskins thing. Do you think, one, was it a shade towards the media and the fan base, just the media or whatever? We'll start with that one. Here's what I, here's what I think about the Hoskins comment. The Hoskins comment. Um, I, I, I think he meant it as a way of like, look, if I didn't screw that play up, we're talking about a really good Phillies win right now. Instead, we're talking about a Phillies loss because of something I did. So, you know, still talk about the things that made this game so great. So it was kind of like, look, it's on me. Make sure you highlight the stuff that there, that, you know, would have gotten much more of the story if I didn't fuck this game up and lose the game in the end. Um, so it, the comment is fine in that regard, but then you take it a step further and think about what he's kind of saying to the media. Like, don't write about me sucking or, you know, the me making the umpteenth error that I made this season or that the teams made this season. Talk about the things that, sure, we're fine, but ultimately we did not win the game. And that's the bottom line. You did not win the game. And something that you did, yes, cost them the game. But that doesn't mean that, oh, just because there were other little good things that happened. At the end of the day, you lost. You're another game out because of that. You caught this team, you cost this team a winnable game. And at the end of the day, that's a story, not the fact that um, someone pitched well or someone had a big hit. The story is that you fucking blew it and that should be discussed. So and, and you're right. It goes back to the culture. Um, it's it just, oh, we should be rewarded for the things that we did do right, not the things that we did do wrong. Sure. But at the end of the day, if you want to be rewarded for the things that you do right, you've got to win the ball games. You have to win the ball games. So you have no right in this situation to come out and say to everyone, oh, talk about what made this game so great because it wasn't a great game. You lost. It's uh, and, and I, I love Reese Hoskins. I, I have opinions. I've had opinions about Reese Hoskins in the past, but he's certainly not the most frustrating person on this team by far. But for God's sakes, you know what's going to make people stop talking about the bad things that happen on this baseball team? Eliminating the bad things that happen. Exactly. Exactly. So that, 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 that's out. all I have to say. Go out, win the games, eliminate the bad plays, and that'll take care. And, and then we'll winning. talk about the good. We'll, <laughs> exactly. talk about, we'll, talk, we'll talk all the live long day about it. We've been waiting for years. Yes, <laughs> we've, we've been waiting 10 years for this. You start winning games, you'll hear nothing about good. We'll come and, back. The fans yes. will come back. We'll adore you. We'll put you guys up on pedestals. Don't worry about us. You worry about doing your job. So, yes, it, it, it was insulting. And honestly, how the team in general 
the manager and now players, how teams have treated the media this season is kind of insulting and disgusting. Like you have Joe Girardi, who's been an absolute dick to the media at times. And now you have Reese Hoskins telling them how to do their jobs. It's like, no, that's not how it works. You two do your jobs. And then they'll stop talking about the bad shit happening. I and like, like I said, Reese is a good player. I, I, I like him a lot. But you get a get a grip on this team, man. This is not the time to be being cute with that shit. No, you're 100 percent correct, and I agree. I mean, I saw those comments, and my eyes widened, and, and of course he's gonna get ripped on. And the funny part is, I mean, you're gonna be home this week. I'm I'm very honestly curious what the reaction is gonna be when he gets announced uh, at the plate. Like, I could see a negative reaction when he gets he gets up there and, and uh, announced. I, I could honestly see some booze there just because of with how bad his defense has been this year with those comments. And like you said, I mean, I think people will take it a little insulting and stuff and we'll see how, what, what happens there. But no, I agree. If, I think if he, fans he, even, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but if fans even show up, no one's showing up to watch this team. I mean, I, I think Mary Kate and I, my, my fiance, we have tickets to go down this weekend, but I don't even want to go. Like, I, and that, I'm not trying to be dramatic. Like, I, I genuinely don't want to waste my time on a on a week on, on a Fourth of July weekend to go sit in the sun to watch this team produce horseshit. And that's like that might sound dramatic, but if you watch this team night out and night in and night out, you know it's just that. So I, I like I said, even with a long holiday weekend, I I, I would love to see if they even get twenty five thousand in there. Because people are people are done. Like you see it more and more. People are actually out on this baseball team. Like they've actually done it. Like uh, like I said, like I'm surprised you're still hanging on with hope because it's just pathetic at this point. You don't want to watch it anymore. I agree. And to, for me, baseball is a long season. That's why I give teams to of the All Star break, and, especially, and, and especially like, when you're this 500. If we were like Baltimore right now, and you're 20 under. That's a whole different story. I'm not keeping hope. When you're this close to 500, you have all these injuries. Like, if you can manage that to the break and maybe get something at the deadline, that that's where I'm at. But again, this this team will be known where where they are at the All Star break. You have 14 straight games into the before the All Star break, um, it, which we'll, we'll get into who they're going to play here in a little bit. But that that's going to be the mark of the season. If you can't get, I mean, if you say you go, let's say you go. Even seven and seven. I mean, if you go seven and seven, say the Mets turn around. I mean, I see them going with how well they're playing. Ten and four, they gain another three games. You're eight back in the break. Yeah, that that's it's over. But if you go, let's say we go just ten and ten. Or that's well, no. Let's say we go. Let's, they go let's ten say, and four, Andrew. <laughs> let's say eight and six, and the Mets kind of die off a little bit, which wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and you gain two games, you're three out of the break. Then it's still alive. And we'll see what happens. And and that's why I stay on that. That's why. And, and, and I think I, I honestly think Reese might have pointed this out too in his in his comment that he made after the game the other night. But at the he he even said this: their schedule is easier after the All Star break. They they play I think you know the Pirates. They play the Orioles. They play the Diamondbacks a couple times. Um, you know they they play the Marlins who who suck uh, unless they play the Phillies. Um, so they do have their chances against teams that they should, should, should destroy. Now, 
whether they will do just that will remain to be seen, but they play a lot of shitty teams in the second half. So they should make up the ground just by playing those teams, but nothing's guaranteed with the Phillies. Nothing's easy. So we'll now, see, but that's, that's just something to hope for. You're not wrong about that, but the other thing is your, your schedule would be the easiest schedule in the league, but if you already dug yourself too big of a hole – you can't make it up anyway. So. Well, you're right. It doesn't. If they're not at 500 by the time, you know, in the next two weeks, by the time we hit the All-Star break, yeah. what for? You know, what for? Exactly. And that, that's my point is, like, we could play the, the Kansas City Royals and the Pirates the entire second half, but if you're 11 games back or something at the break, you got to rely on the Mets to lose that much. So that's where I'm at, and that's why I think we'll, we'll see what happens here. The final comments let's talk about is uh, Bryce Harper. Um. And he basically said he's one of the most honest players the city's had in our lifetime, at least. And he basically was asked the question about, well, what do you think the team should do at the deadline? And basically his answer is, we got to show them enough to win. But the, the most alarming thing is he did say is the farm system is depleted. And because of it's depleted, you're not going to have many pieces to move. Therefore, we have to show Dombrowski why we're good enough to win, is, is what he said. So obviously the most key thing here is he knows that the farm system is depleted. So does this scare you at all for Harper's future with the Phillies? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not good. You know, no one, no one likes someone just coming out and going, yeah, we, we know it's bad. Like it, it's not great. We're in trouble. Cause like, look, like a weak farm system is, you know, not good in general, but it's not good for the Phillies because they're not going to start pushing the luxury tax if they're willing to do so until they can at least prove that they can field a playoff roster that can make it at least, you know, a round or two deep into the playoffs. They're not going to, they're not going to push that. And they're already with the $200 million payroll. So the odds of them signing another player to a 25, 30 million a year deal is just not going to happen. So you have to rely on that talent in the farm system. And that's just not there. So yes, it's concerning. Um, yes, you you don't know what's going to happen. I'll say this much: if they're in it, if they're in it at the deadline, I think you're going to see something similar to the 2019 offseason with a lot of bargain moves, because they're just not in a position right now where you're going to put a big chip in. And I don't think. The time now between where we are today and where we're going to be July 31st gives you enough time to put you in that spot where you feel really comfortable going for it. So if they're in it, don't expect a big name to get moved, in my opinion, unless we're obviously selling, then God only knows what could happen. I think you'll see kind of like, you know, some mediocre trying to, uh, you know, put put some uh, tape over the, the holes um, kind of moves to, to patch things up. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and I think, obviously, we've had a lot of negative comments here so far today. Let's get into some of the positives. There have been, I mean, not many, but let's, let's talk about the <laughs> two or three that were there. Um, we, hey, did, hey, we, did, well, we did see some history this focus week. Focus on the positives, man. Like exactly. Reese Hoskins said, we can't focus on the bad things. <laughs> yeah, we can only talk about the good stuff. Um, but uh, we did see history today, or not today, excuse me. We saw history on Friday. Um, Phillies... Uh, pitcher Aaron Nola struck out 10 consecutive batters, tying a record that has been in place for 50 years, uh, last held by Tom Glavin. So I think – let's talk about that a little – or Tom Seaver, sorry. 
I, I, I honestly, like, I didn't want to correct you, but I just had this whole internal dialogue where I was like, I thought it was Tom Seaver. Fuck, no, was I wrong? Right. <laughs> I'm glad you made the look because the look was enough to correct me. He didn't have to correct <laughs> I was like, I was so scared to say I'm wrong because I didn't want to be wrong. <laughs> I said Tom Glavin and it clicked right away. I was like, no, it was Tom Seaver. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, 10 consecutive strikeouts um, by Aaron Nola on Friday. Let's talk about his start. He had a fantastic start. Obviously, the 10Ks finishes the game with 11 and, and was in line for the win. But eventually, as we talked about, the bullpen did blow. But this was eye-popping because it was a road start. Like, we've seen him kind of try to turn the season around at home and stuff, and then he goes back on the road and does bad. With with him getting that great road start and now going home, if he can put together another second consecutive good start, do you think this could be his turnaround in the season? I hope so. And, and, you know, it's certainly possible. And what was encouraging was that it was a start on the road. You know, he he, he doesn't normally perform all too well on the road. So to see him do that against a team that is our division rival, they lead the division right now. It was encouraging. Um, So you're right. Hopefully that momentum builds. And if we get five of these Aaron Nola starts in a row. We're hardly thinking about the stretch he just went through. We're talking about Aaron Nola as a frontline starter, as an ace again. The conversation completely changes. So, yeah, I I hope this is the turnaround that he needs. Um, The whole whole rotation this week was just very encouraging. Everyone having a good start. Um, You know, even Matt Moore tossed a pretty (laughs) solid – yeah, yeah, for sure. Tossed a pretty solid game – the other, ooh, I don't know if he was safe. You'll see. You'll see. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't know if you know that's an end all, be all. But it's certainly encouraging. Right, without question, I think that's a big thing. We need Aaron Nola to, to obviously, if you're going to turn around your season, you need Aaron Nola and Zach Wood to be the ace, and that's mm-hmm. where I'm going to go next. And you mentioned the starting pitching as a whole, but I'm going to talk about let's talk about Zach Ruler. A little bit more like this is incredible what he's done at this point. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't if it wasn't for Jacob Degrom this year, he'd be a high candidate for Cy Young. I mean, this is more than at least this is more than what I expected from him when we when we signed him. I don't know about you, but he's six and four now, the two point two zero ERA after a win on Sunday and, and getting that split series to, uh, against the Mets. Talk about what do you think about Zach Wheeler? Like, is this what he's going to be for the whole year? Because he usually has better second half statistically. I mean, it's not. I'm gonna knock on wood here. It's certainly a, it's certainly an encouraging sign. Everyone, look. If you go back to when the Phillies signed uh, Zach Wheeler, I feel like the consensus was that they got a really good starting pitcher, who even if he doesn't take a step forward, he's still a pretty good starting pitcher, and he's he's looked like he's taken that step forward. You said it. He's been elite this year. One of the best pitchers in baseball, if not the second best pitcher in in baseball this year outside of Jacob deGrom. Um, so it's, it's awesome. You hope he can continue as he continues moving through his thirties. Um, something that's always mentioned about Zach Wheeler is the fact that even though he is, you know, over 30, his arm, he hasn't thrown a lot of innings just because of injuries and whatnot. So he still has the you know longevity in his arm to throw for a handful of seasons still. So that's encouraging. You just hope his health keeps up with him. And if that's the case, then um I do think the sky's the limit. And the Phillies might have had a steal with this one. Right, with that question, I think 
And that's why I hope you can turn around because this is one that the steals you can have, which would be pretty big in the city. Um, and then the second, the, the final guy I want to talk about is let's talk about Alec for a little bit. We've kind of ripped on him a lot this year uh, with his struggles. He was supposed to be the guy to take that next step, help, help the middle of the lineup. And we've kind of talked about some of the injuries hurting his spot and the order and everything. And then we've also talked about some unluckiness. Is this kind of him breaking through some of the unluckiness? He's still hitting the ball hard. He's just finally hitting them in the spots that players aren't, and he's moved his average up to 240. Or do you think this is just a small stretch uh, through the season, and we'll see what happens the rest of the way? Well, like I said, you know, you, you hope this is the turnaround, but I guess I'll know my answer in another month or two. And I, I, I hate to be like that. I hate not to have, you know, a take on how you feel about him. But, you know, he, he's been he's been inconsistent. Sure, he's, you know, he's got a base hit, I think, in today's game so far. He had, uh, I think, the three or four hit game a, a, a couple nights ago, like I think maybe against Washington. But um, he, he's still taking awkward at-bats. Still kind of getting um, jammed inside and just going nowhere with that pitch. Uh, so you, you hope you, – like, I, I hate to sound like a broken record here, but you hope this is the turnaround. Yeah. You hope this is the moment where things get going. But you, you just never know with this team. So my answer is I'll tell you in, uh, I'll tell you in two months if his <laughs> average is up another 20 points. Uh, maybe we're talking about Reese Hoskins having a nice little bounce back in the second half. Let's hope so. That's that's the consistency sure. you need. We need someone to be consistent in this lineup. So that, that's pretty much the main positives. I, I mean, I got from this week. I'm sure there's a couple more, but that's that's the main it's, three. Let, let's not lie. There wasn't. <laughs> there wasn't. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But let's let's get into this upcoming uh, stretch. Like I said, the Phillies have 14 straight games before the break. Obviously, we're doing uh, podcasts every week, so we won't get in all 14 games. But they're 14 tough games. Like, they're not 14. Like, obviously, the Marlins, obviously, I'll be – they're the easiest team record-wise um, in this batch. But you got the Reds, the Marlins, the Padres, uh, the Cubs. So, it's nothing easy. Like, you got, you got your work cut out for it. But this upcoming week, you got a seven-game schedule. You got one against the Reds today, the makeup day from the, the rain out, which the Phillies currently lead 4-2 to two in the bottom of the fifth. Hopefully, they hold on to that. But we all know – we all we all know you have to watch ninth to know what. Uh, then you go to the Mar- or then you're home against the Marlins and home against the Padres for three and three. Uh, unfortunately, not many pitching matchups are out there. The only one that's out there so far is the first one, and that's Ty- uh, Rogers for the Marlins against Vince Velasquez for the Phillies. So I mean, based off that, I mean, who knows what you're going to get from Vince? You you can't even say if you have an advantage, no matter who the other team's pitcher is, because you don't know what Vince is going to show up. That's the unfortunate part. Hopefully, it's the good Vince we've seen this year. But then, I mean, yeah, you can probably pick and choose. You know, Nola, Wheeler, they're all going to go at some point this week. They just haven't announced what day. But what's your goal for the Phillies in this? Like, obviously, obviously the goal is 7-0. But let's be realistic. What do you think, realistically, you see this team kind of finishing in the seven-game stretch this week? You hope they win more ball games than lose ball games at the end <laughs> of the day. Um how many they'll win, how many they'll lose, God only knows. Uh, but look, at the at the end of the day, bottom line is they need to start winning games now. This outlook, like you could be literally at 500 at the deadline, or excuse me, at the all-star break, and this team's probably still in it, 
or as long as they're probably within five games or so, they're pro- they're still in it. But the outlook is so bleak if they're under 500, even if they are close still, like mathematically. So you you need to start winning as many games as possible. You need to you know grab grab the series by the horn. You need to win today. You need to go. You you need to you need to sweep Miami. Like I I will say that you need to sweep the Miami Marlins. Now is the time. You are home. I'm done with this team walking all over us. They are not a better team. They just aren't. Anyone with eyes knows that. But the Phillies need to just stop letting them find ways to beat them. It's pathetic, and I'm over it. The Marlins are too shitty of a team. So that that that's my biggest thing. If the if the Phillies sweep the Marlins, I don't care what they do in the next series. I'm with you. I think at some point, not only do you have to turn around your season, but you have to turn it around against the bad teams. That's been your crypto, right. one of your kryptonites right now. And if if you go out and say you lose two or three at home to the Marlins, no, you're, that that could be the, the season. Like this it, this is where the Phillies need to take those. I think. Um, I'm going to say I see the Phillies going four and three this week, if I'm, I'm being honest. I think they take this Reds game. I think they take two or three against the Marlins, and then I think they drop two or three to the Padres. So I think I think that's where the Phillies will be. I think they'll, they'll be four and three, just above 500 on the week. We'll see what everyone else does in the division. But I think that's a realistic standpoint. I think you'll get – I think you're going to get a good Nola again. I honestly do. I think he's going to come back home. He lives for kind of those bigger games, I feel like. Uh no, he does. Like think about it. He always he always lives for those road they're not road games. He always lives for those those high kinda um humid temperature games. And and that's where you're at right now in the summer. If they go four and three, that's good enough for me, but you, you need more. And then what are your, your next seven? I think are you have four against the Cubs and your last three are against the Red Sox, right? Yes. Yep. That's what I was saying. <laughs> it's not no, it's, this is not an easy 14-game stretch. Oh, this is a God. very difficult 14. Like, that's why this these 14 games will make or break your season. Because you, you with this team, like you, we've been talking about, the non-consistent, like, you could you could go out and lose 10 of these games. Like You know what? Team. You know what will be the most Phillies thing ever, Andrew? They're going to go 10-4 and four over the next 14, but then they're going to go 0-6 against <laughs> the stretch when they literally play the Orioles and the Pirates back-to-back in September for the collapse. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. That, that's exactly what happened. That's unfortunately that's where we're at. That's why I was saying when I, like I, golf is- I I do I do think the Phillies have one more hook in them. One more like I'm gonna suck everyone back in before I piss everyone off again. Like one of those kind of yeah. moments where they're gonna you know get back up to 500, maybe a couple games over 500, and then they're gonna be like September. You know what that means? Collapse. Oh, you know what? If we make it to September at this point, I think uh, I think you'll be a little, a little bit happier. <laughs> oh, no, you're already I'm giving up. So if you're saying you're saying we'll be around in September, I think that's a that's a that's a turnaround season. <laughs> well, you know, well, the thing is, the thing is, Andrew, they're gonna be. The Mets obviously aren't like running away with the division right now. The division's been pretty mediocre overall. So I I, I feel like just by just by you know how things have been going they're going to stay in it and they're still going to play like this and we're going to have hope just because mathematically there's still a chance that the baseball gods will stop breaking our hearts for one moment 
and it's going to be, you know, the last game of the season, end of September, and that'll be the end of that, and we'll be right here sitting on our couches complaining about what's going on because that's what the Phillies do. They don't just bottom out and lose. They keep you invested enough because you want to see them succeed but just know how to break your heart. But they can't just do it. Like They, they just can't lose. They just can't be like a, the Pirates and be like a losing club. At least we're not. At least we're not as bad as that franchise. But now, even I'm gonna take this a step farther, real quick. And we talked about to the Oscar break. Our schedule is actually extremely tough up until the deadline. Like that, that actually yeah. will make a break. You you come off the Oscar break. You had three against the Marlins, which obviously we just talked about. But then you go Yankees, Atlanta, Washington, and then the deadline. So we'll we'll see what happens there. So we'll 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 know where we're at come July 31st. So, but. Let's move on to the final topic here uh, for this show. This is kind of a, again, I'm going to bring in something that's going on in the basketball world. I'm just curious where your stance on this is, and I'm going to tie it into the Phillies. So what happened was the Sixers, everyone knows Dwight Howard's a Sixer. The Sixers get eliminated by Atlanta Hawks, and he's sitting courtside seats a game three of the next series right after the Sixers lose. And it's been a major topic. A lot of of tension going on against that because – People feel he shouldn't be going to that because he just lost that team and many other reasons. And, and apparently it's a quote-unquote unwritten rule in sports. So let's pull in the Phillies. Let's say a longtime veteran, Andrew McCutcheon, the Phillies make the playoffs this year. Let's say they lose, they lose in a very bad way to the Cardinals, and Andrew McCutcheon sitting first row behind the plate, Cardinals-Dodgers. Uh, what's your What would your take on that be? Sure. It's like not like, I guess, the best look. But at the end of the day, like, you know, sports are sports. People are going to root for other teams, have other rooting interests. Like, it doesn't – unless there was ill intent for his visit, like, or unless, you know, he was was there for scouting purposes. I don't know. But I I don't see a real issue with it. Sure, it's, like, kind of like a bad look just because, obviously, the wound's so so fresh still. But like I said, people have – you know, different rooting interests, things like that. So it's not the craziest thing I've ever seen happen. I'm not that jived out about it. Okay. No, I, I'm with you, actually. So I've been, really? I've been, talking, I've been talking to a couple people about it, and I, and I have no issue. I mean, these guys can live their lives. Like, like they don't have to live in, in their house 24-7. Like, if yeah, he wants to go like- watch a basketball game, he should be able to go watch a basketball game. He's from Atlanta. He played with Atlanta. So, like – that, that's my take. And all really? Things. So, well, if that, and that's the if that's the case, then like, yeah, it's no big deal whatsoever. I'm not. Uh, for, and for those listening, I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a big. You know, I, I follow the Sixers, but I'm not a big six, uh, Sixers guy or anything like that. But if he's from Atlanta, played for Atlanta, like, who gives a shit? You know, yeah, you'd like, be surprised. It's, There's it's a just, lot it's just of... another. It's just another thing to get mad about. Exactly. Positivity. Remember. Remember that. <laughs> well, yeah, Reese Hoskins, we, we can't talk about the bad things. But I'm glad you're on my side because I've been getting a lot of heat from it from a couple of people today. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. So. <laughs> look, you know, look there, there's there's nothing wrong with it. Um, People, sorry, Philly, you know, Philly people. Not everyone grows up loving Philly sports. <laughs> like, it's a crazy concept, but the most people who love us are from the Delaware Valley, and that's about it, you know? You don't, you don't look very far to find out that a lot of people don't like Philly. So, um, no, I, I'm fine with it. If someone, if someone, like I said, if someone, like if Bryce Harper did that and, you know, had some comment, you know, 
about being with like his boys or something. Yeah, sure, I might be a little salty or, or anything like that, but it's not that deep. It's a it's a sport. People can have their own rooting interests. They can, like you said, live their own lives. Cool. No, that, and that's that's where I am too. But that's that's gonna be this, this show. Thanks for listening to another episode of So You Think You Can Manage. Again, the Phillies went two and four last week. Dug themselves a little bit more of a hole, but they have an opportunity to make that up this week with a seven-game stretch. And we'll see you again next Monday to recap this seven-game week and see where we're at for another week. So thanks again for listening to So You Think You Can Manage. And please uh, give us any feedback and, and future topics you guys want to discuss. Have a great week, everyone.